And welcome back to Van Camp Podcast. Welcome back. Um, I'm, of course, I'm Davis Dudley. And I'm Molly Dudley. And we're this is our first episode live from the road. We made it. <laughs> we made it one day at a time. We're in beautiful West Texas. Yeah, right in the desert. Right in the panhandle of Texas. If you look <laughs> at that little like jet out to the far west, southern, well, not like too southern, but yeah. Yeah. The far left panhandle. We're in the southern tip of that. We really don't know where we are, I guess. No, no <laughs> we have been driving so much that it's kind of hard to keep track. Yeah, but um, in a few days, we're about to hit our week mark of being on the road, which is really exciting. Yeah, well, yeah, tomorrow will mark one week since we left Atlanta, and then Wednesday will mark our first week kind of being on our own and on the road. So we're going to do a little catching up of how we got here. I uh, want to appreciate everyone for tuning in and checking us out. Um, we're having a good time. If you hear the dogs in the background, that's because we are in a, you know, we're on a campsite. The dogs are locked in here with us, and this is kind of what we got to do. <laughs> it's really not too hot. Ono's just been panting the whole time. Yeah. I feel like ever since we hit, like, the humidity of the of the south after we left Atlanta, you know, like, once we got to swamp mugginess, I don't know if she's stopped panting. Yeah, yeah. She's like, this is my new normal. Yeah. Once we... Once we stay in the swamp land of Louisiana, that did it for her. Yeah. She's like, I kind of like panting. But she does like the two walks a day she's getting now. So, she you does know, like that. We're, we've got ample time. So a lot of times we're just going on hour-long, two-hour walks and just putting around, I guess. Yep. Keeping active. It's been fun. Um, we have not passed a Walmart that wasn't full. Which is... Totally unfortunate. Yeah, it's been wild. We still are yet to find paper towels, but one campsite that we went to had them, so that's the cleanest our dishes have been so far. That's true. Uh, we had the dish towel, but... Yeah, we've really enjoyed just not really talking to anyone. Yeah, and everyone has been very nice, keeping at least like six feet of distance when they <laughs> come by and try to pet our dog, and then, and then Ono does a good job of making sure they stay more than six feet away yeah. after that, because... It is this weird, like, understanding, I feel like. Yeah, I think everyone's kind of been on board with it, too. They're just kind of like, yeah, hey, bye, (laughs) see ya. You know, it's like, works out pretty well. Um, Anything else for the road before we get into the state parks? Let's get into it. Or national parks, national protected parks, state parks, where have we been saying? All right, so we're going to start with like a little bit of history of each park, and then we'll tell you a little bit about our stay there. Uh, we'll give it the ranking. Uh, we'll give you some quick antidotes about what we went through while we were at these parks, and then after that, we'll just kind of chill, talk about the park, talk about our time there, and then um, after that, we'll move on. So the first park is Fountain Blue State Park right outside of New Orleans. Um, it was a really cool park, um, really pretty, and it was our first park, so we were still getting acquainted with the whole camp life stuff. So here it is. Um, established in 1942 and originally named, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of terrible words in this that I am just going to totally butcher, but... Not terrible names, <laughs> just names we have no idea how to pronounce. Well, there, there are words that start off with things like T-C-H, like... <laughs> mm. 
So the Chufonte <laughs> State Park and Conserva uh Conservation Reservation after the Tecafonte River. Uh, the park is surrounded on three sides by water, none of which are the Tecafonte. So I'm not really sure why we had to go through all that. They are Lake Pontchartrain, which had the longest, most like beautiful bridge we've ever been on. Well, I mean, the bridge itself wasn't beautiful, but it was 26 miles long or something over this lake. It was really cool. Um, Bayou Cane and Bayou Castine. The land of the park, uh, the land the park is on, was originally owned by an ultra wealthy man known as Bernard de Marigny. Uh, oh, that's probably what it is, Marigny. I struggled <laughs> with that earlier. Marigny, that was definitely what it is. All right, Bernard de Rigny of New Orleans, who established the town Mandeville, which lies directly west of the park. Uh, Marigny owned and operated a sugar mill on the property that was built in 1829, and he named his land and mill Fountain Blue after a beautiful forest near Paris, France. In 1840, the mill had grown to house 153 enslaved humans, including 57 under the age of 10. Although this is an unfortunate reality, uh, we had to face with numerous parks in the South. We thought that it was worth saying, um, you know, for the people that actually had to serve on that. We didn't want to gloss over it. Uh, the park itself was beautiful, uh, spanning over 2,800 acres, boarding, uh, bordering a beautiful lake, housing alligators, walking trails, a pier, and boardwalk. Uh, a lot of the park was lined with live oak trees draped in Spanish moss, with just, which just added to the mystique for us. Uh, there are cabins for rent that are built in the style of old fishing camps of the 1930s. The camping area was secluded, but a quick walk to the amenities, which was nice. Um, but the, f the fact that it's on the water in Louisiana means that it was muggy and hot as hell. Hot as hell. Um, it was our first night in the van uh, since we decided not to test out anything before we left. Uh, so we were scared to run the fan all night um, because we didn't want to kill the battery to the van. But the next night we figured out that that doesn't happen because the, the fan itself is not pulling that much energy. So we spend the night tossing and turning in uh, puddles of our own sweat. <laughs> Um, and we worried so much about the insulation and that it was going to be too, too cold when we got the mountains that we totally forgot that it was going to be hot sometimes too. And that bit us in the ass the first night, like yeah. it, we were miserable. It was, it was probably close to 90 degrees in the van, hot, muggy. Molly does not do well when she's hot. I hate being hot. So it was just, <laughs> I it get was angry. A, it was a real cluster. Um, yeah, and right before we went to bed, we decided to teach Ono how to play Frisbee. So she was panting throughout the whole night, like, laying on us, and we didn't sleep too well. But, you know, that's our fault. Um, and that was followed by mm, an embarrassing morning. Um, we finished up our breakfast of coffee filled with grinds because it was our first time using our French press as well, and... I I just messed it up at the very end, and there were grinds all in it, bananas and granola, and then the park ranger pulled up, and Leroy went bonkers and ran towards him, and it was a complete embarrassment. Damn near jumped in his arms. Yeah, and then it's our fault for thinking our 13-year-old 10-pound dog didn't need to be on a leash while we ate, 
So after I chased him down to the door of the park ranger's truck, we were I was schooled on two rules of the park of park etiquette that we know now. Obviously, always keep your dog on a leash, which there are numerous signs at every park. So that one's on us. And if you arrive after hours, make sure you check in before 9 a.m. Because that's what they expect, which would have been a lot easier if either one of us were up by 9 a.m. that day to begin (laughs) with. But now I set an alarm every time that we arrive late. So we don't want to get scorned again by the park ranger. Overall score. Here we go. The park was beautiful, and the walking trails were dog-friendly. The fee to the camp was a low $18 with a $6 transaction fee. I'm not sure if you can get around that if you pay cash. It wasn't really clear. It was just kind of added on. Um, And then we rushed out of the park after the run-in with the rangers, so we didn't use the bathroom or showers. But judging by the rest of the park, I'm sure they were nice. Um, It was a really nice park. It was super well kept. Yeah, but it just had much more of like a state park structured feel than a lot of the other parks that we stayed at. Everything was just very like orderly. Yeah. It It, was nice. It reminded me of, I feel like, what is probably like a wedding venue a bunch of times. Yeah. Like there were like structures built for that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was like really beautiful. Um, Just not quite the wilderness that we were about to come right. across. And the park is Fountain Blue, but it's <laughs> spelt Fontainebleau. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, so it wasn't that clear. I mean, I guess, like, if you have a little bit of knowledge of it, it's pretty pretty well known in and around Louisiana. I'm sure. <laughs> but the park ranger, when I asked to be sure, and I didn't want to go through the whole thing of it, I don't want to sound like an idiot or mispronounce this on a podcast. She acted like I was a complete numbskool, and she was just like, fountain blue. <laughs> like, and it can't be that easy. <laughs> yeah. So that, taken into account with the brutal heat and humidity, we're going to give this park a four out of five. Yeah. It's still pretty high. I mean, it was really nice. Um, got to skateboard a little bit, oh, just yeah. in our little turnoff, um, which was the most successful skateboarding I've done on this trip. Right. The the trails, like, leading up to, like, they have a little beach area up Mm -hmm. there, which is really pretty. Um, And, like, the pier. The lake is so big that we thought it was the ocean. Yeah. I mean, we kept (laughs) kept looking at it. And and Molly knew. She told me that it was a lake. And I was just like, I don't see anything. (laughs) And then even the next day when we were driving into New Orleans, I thought the same thing. Like, I've never been on a a bridge in a lake that you look around and can't see any land anywhere. Right. I mean, a huge lake. Yeah. Pretty. Really pretty on the coast. And then, um, yeah, it had, like, the the gator boardwalk that had, you know, alligators where they kind of, like, lay around and do their thing. Um, and then extra walking trails. Yeah, I mean, it was a really nice park. A yeah. lot of land. Um, really big, too. And the campsites are relatively spread out, like, alternating side of the road and all that stuff. I mean, it was nice. And, yeah, no complaints. It was just too hot. Hot as hell. Uh, yeah, I can't I can't say that I would go back like <laughs> unless it was like guaranteed that the humidity was going to be around no more than 30% yeah. and a crisp 75 degrees our entire stay there. Unless we decided to get into the lake at which point it would jump up to 90 just for just for us and then Yeah. That would back, be our luck. Yeah. <laughs> go back to a comfortable 75 for 
Yeah. To go to sleep. But a good start to our trip. Yeah, it was a good start to our trip. And I, oh, and we also glossed over. We got there after we spent the night with uh, some friends, Mike and Sean in Nashville. Um, and we had a great time with them. It was awesome seeing Henry, their little boy. Um, we took a terrible shot of tequila that seemed like it had been in Mike's fridge since before he was born. Oh, yeah, it definitely went bad. <laughs> I actually think it was a bottle of El Humidor that his dad gave his mom the moment he was born, and he has just <laughs> taken that around to freezers for the last 29-some-odd years. Right. And then decided to serve it to us. And Mike, it's time to get rid of that bottle. Yeah, it's time to trash that one, <laughs> bud. Disgusting. Yeah, that was like tequila syrup. <laughs> and usually I'd be a fan, but it wasn't breakfast, so I wasn't. But everything else was wonderful for this day. Um, and we really, it, it was just a blessing being able to see them. And um, yeah, it was a, it was a, the end of a good run of, of time being able to say goodbye to our friends. And that was the last ones we saw before we headed out west. And then the next time that we have a podcast, we might be with some more friends. So that'll be good. Um, Molly, you want to tell them about the next park? I sure do. So from Fountain Blue, we headed down to New Orleans. It was about 45 minutes away. Um, that is personally one of my favorite cities I've ever been to, so I was really excited to show Davis. Um, and uh, we did, you know, know going into it that pretty much most of the city would be closed down um, due to the coronavirus, um, but we were kind of... COVID-19. <laughs> we were trying to... Um, still see as much as we could just even driving around and whatnot. Um, so we did drive around like the French quarter and, uh, it is a little bit of a ghost town out there. Um, we did stop at central grocery, um, and got a little muffaletta to go and that was absolutely delicious. So thanks to them. They were wonderful. They were. Um, and then, uh, we sent them good vibes and, uh, headed on our way down South. Um, so we headed towards, uh, Galveston Island, uh, which, I had never been to before. I had never been to either. Yeah. So a uh, beach town right on the Gulf Coast of Texas. Um, and we decided to stay at Galveston Island State Park. Yeah. It's a little island off the coast of Texas. Kind yeah, of like yeah. a little uh, barrier island yeah, for yeah. North Carolina. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we took the bridge onto the island and uh, stayed at the state park down there. And here's a little background information. Uh, so it was established in 1970. Uh, Galveston Island State Park is steeped in history. Uh, it is believed that American Indians began to visit Galveston Island around 2,000 years ago. Then in the 16th century, Spanish explorers arrived and brought the first Europeans face-to-face -face with the indigenous... Oh, goodness. Go ahead. <laughs> you gotta do it. I don't want to butcher this. Um, Akokisa and... Karen, Karen Kawa. <laughs> Karen Kawa. We went Karen over that Kawa. one. We, we, solidarity. We we're both going to call them the Karen Kawa because Karen they come Kawa. back. Yeah. So if we butcher that, they do come back. It, it comes back in, an, in another park, but Karen Kawa is what we're going with on that. Maybe butcher is the wrong yeah. word to use. Uh, it is believed. Harsh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is believed that uh, Cabeza de Vaca and his crew were shipwrecked here in 1520, but eventually made their way to the Spanish colony, uh, creatively renamed New Spain in modern-day Mexico. That is very creative. 
that is. It's kind of like New England. Yeah, they're super good at naming. Yeah, people were like all about it back then. They just really wanted to be original. You know what? We're from Spain. Yeah. This is New Spain. This is New Spain. Let's set up <laughs> shop here. Then in 1817, while fleeing prosecution from uh, Johnny Depp and the rest of the Pirates of the Caribbean, nice touch, Davis. Thank you. Uh, the Lafitte brothers established a so-called government in the area with the ultimate dream of creating a Manhattan on the Gulf. For a while, this looked like a possibility as commerce began to flourish, but major storms hit the area in not only 1867, 1871, 1875, but also 1886. Mm, it's a rough stretch. It's very unfortunate, which stalled out the area's growth. The Galveston hurricane of 1900 was really the final nail in the coffin when it devastated the island, and it killed 5,000 to 10,000 people? That's a yeah. really large range. Yeah, but I mean, that's what, that's what research said. You okay. know, they, some so people they really said 5,000, some people said 10. I don't think that it was exactly known how many people were there at the time. So We're going to go seven. Yeah, seven and a half at least. Seven and a half thousand people, thus prompting the construction of the seawall to protect the northern half of the island. The saga of protecting that land began in 1950. Mako Stewart Jr., whose father founded Stewart Title Company. I have no idea what Stewart Title Company is. Well, they were pretty successful back then. Sounds good. Owned more than 2,000 acres on the island. That's why I assume that they were pretty good. Yeah, that sounds they pretty did. rich. Yeah, you bought 2,000 acres of coastland. So. In his will, he severed the mineral rights from the surface land rights and gave half of the surface and mineral rights to his wife, Virginia Stewart. And then divided the other half between his sons from a former marriage, Wells and Mako III. In giving them the surface rights, the senior Mako specified that upon his death of his wife and sons, his Galveston Island home should be given to the state of Texas to, quote, to be used and maintained as a fish, game, and oyster preserve and for any other public purpose. That is super cool. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. The will further stated that his heirs shall not have any right or authority to convey, mortgage, encumber, or in any other manner dispose of the surface estate. Pretty much he was like, in his final will, I don't trust you not to fuck this up, <laughs> yeah. so you're not allowed to do anything. So don't touch the land. Exactly <laughs> what I want with the land. Right. By the late 1960s, Stewart's heirs wanted a park to be established. In 1969, under the State Parks Bond Program, 1,950 acres of the private land was purchased from the heirs. A small part of the original property with the family's Stewart Mansion was not included in the sale. The state park opened to the public in 1970. That's and that's where cool. we stayed. That's where we stayed. Yeah, it was really beautiful. Yeah. Definitely, like, more secluded than just, like, the normal Galveston Island, which was kind of your typical beach town, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, and everything was shut down there. Um, like, in the beach town, I didn't really see much going on at all. Um, and I know that they had kind of had a problem with, like, the spring breakers and everything the week before. So yeah. I think that they were, just like, kind of a mandatory, 
thankfully, I think yeah, their state officials finally were like, okay, this is getting ridiculous. Yeah, as as we come putting into town, so which is totally fine by me. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you everyone get your get get it under control by the time we get there, so that the campgrounds we're coming through. Yeah, the the campgrounds aren't crowded and we feel safe. But the one part about that history that I found interesting is that Mako Sr. wanted to make sure that his house was given to the state of Texas, but the only thing not given in the final like transfer of land it was actually his house. So the one thing that he specifically said he wanted to give to the state of Texas was the one thing that they did not fully turn over to the state of Texas. I found that to be a little interesting, but I'm sure that after dedicating all that land and making a state park, his family was well worth, you know, keeping the house. You would hope so. Or maybe they just wanted to go against his wishes. Yeah. (laughs) One one, last time. One last time. It's like, you were right not to trust us, Dad. Thanks, Dad. We're keeping the mansion. (laughs) So um, it's kind of difficult to give an accurate and fair score to this park because the ocean side was closed for our visit. Um, The park ranger said it was for renovations, and she said there was a giant sinkhole. So we didn't really venture out there. However, we did see it on the bay side of the park, uh, and that had really nice views of the marshland, and every campsite was a really quick walk to the bathroom and the shower, Um, but the area for dog walking and exploring was pretty limited. Um, There was a nice little, like, jump for kayaks and whatnot, Right. um, but it was super rainy the whole time we were there. Yeah, and it looked like a a few people were, like, fishing and everything in the marsh, but our campsite neighbor said that there were no fish there. Yeah, it's also worth noting, and this is not a small note, that if you left your door open or tent unzipped for just a second, uh, these human-sized mosquitoes rushed in Mm. from the brush and set up uh, their homes within your private space. That's true. Despite sleeping in a sleeping bag, and we both were wearing tights the whole time, um, and wearing shirts, we were covered in bites that it took so much blood out of our... (laughs) bodies that we were lightheaded on a walk <laughs> yeah, to, <laughs> to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. The next morning, I you could barely stand. I thought I was going to have to carry you. Your whole body was just one big bug bite. <laughs> <laughs> I do get Beverly. <laughs> but yeah, it was You're pretty gross. Yeah. yeah, I was super lightheaded. Uh, the showers were really uh, clean, though, aside from <laughs> the preteen skater poshity that apparently lived at the campsite and left their loofahs hanging on the shower head and dandruff shampoo wedged in the handrail. <laughs> that sounds like personal experience <laughs> from Davis Dudley. <laughs> Those little punks. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were out to get you. Yeah, they were. But really, it was like uh, the showers were located outside the primitive camping site. And Mm. we were at the site with hookups, even though we don't need hookups. Um, And uh, this little family, like, basically set up shop, like, in the whole campsite. I think it was actually, like, two families because, like, there was... there. It seemed like as I waited for you to brush Two your gangs. teeth, yeah, there there's like a little <laughs> yeah. gang yeah. gang mentality going on there. So yeah, and it seemed uh, like a lot. Yeah, it did. They need to get a TV. Yeah, <laughs> stop both, having so much. <laughs> yeah, both families need a little bit more entertainment. <laughs> yeah, get yourself a TV. And it pains us to say this, but the overall score of this park is three point five, due to the fact that we only got to see a small portion of the park. Uh, being on the bayside, and the limited trails we were able to use. 
Uh, we're sure the beachside is really beautiful, and with the right amount of buck spray, we would definitely give it another shot. Yeah, like if we bathed and soaked in it for about a month prior to, I would maybe venture back. Yeah, but the day we left, it was pretty overcast, and we knew that it was going to keep raining, so that kind of ruled out kayaking for us Right. Um, at this particular spot. Uh, but we knew the plan was to keep beach camping so we just headed on further down south texas yeah and i will say galveston was the first time we ran into another couple living in a van oh yeah that's um and it it seemed like a large european vehicle i had never seen that type of van before um and we were too afraid to approach them so yeah we stayed on opposite ends of the loop around and we were pretty much diagonal facing each other yeah, gave each other the old nod. Yeah, but <laughs> never really. But no contact. Yeah, never got close. And yeah, whatever. Yeah. Maybe we'll see him again. And then it would have been a nice touch to have a story like that. But we did cross another van couple on a bridge and we all exchanged peace signs oh, because yeah. apparently that's what we do now. That was pretty cool, honestly. Yeah. It was like this one. It was actually yesterday coming into the park we're at now, which we'll get to after the next park. But it was like uh, you had to cross the street to get to the gas, yet like the overpass to get to the gas station was down to one lane. So we had to wait for them to come. Yeah. They spotted us right away. Yeah, they were in a ProMaster. Yeah, they were in a big van. Um, gave us the old peace signs and yeah. we gave it right back. They gave us a little, the little van nod. And yeah. Told us to keep trying. I will say that uh, we don't feel quite as special anymore. Um, being, you know, feeling like we're the only people living out in a van out here, it's actually pretty common. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's way common. The only thing that's not common is doing it in a van as small as uh, as ours um, that other people have kind of pointed out, like, what's it like living in that little van, <laughs> yeah. you know? Uh, but other than that, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people in a wide range of age that are that have vans built out. yeah. At every site we go to, so pretty neat stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a lot more common than I really thought, or it was presented to be. But a yeah. lot of them seem like they are bought from people that convert the vans for right, a living, like a company yeah, or and whatnot, and maybe like from RV lot or something like that. But right. they look really nice and they really do. cool. Yeah, maybe one day, maybe we'll one graduate day graduate to that. But so far, our van is treating us great. Yeah, we had a headboard fall today, but. We'll, oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll fix that. <laughs> no one was in the van at the time. And yeah. I, th- I think it was my fault because it's just like they're just for looks in the front of the cab. And I think I forced a book bag onto the top shelf that bent the wood and popped one out. But the structure is yeah, intact. It would have if we were driving it damn near would have knocked me out. But <laughs> luckily we were sitting behind the van and I just got to watch it happen instead. Wouldn't have been able to give that Pete sign after all. All uh, right. All right, so on to the next one. Uh, this is Padre Island National Seashore. Seashore. Let's try that one more time. Padre <laughs> Island National Seashore in Corpus Christi, Texas. Nice. Thank you. You didn't call it Corpus Crispy. Yeah. Like you did most of the time we were there. I, I'm just not good with words. <laughs> um, here we go to the history, and then we'll get into what we thought about it. For almost its entire existence, Padre Island has remained undeveloped wilderness. Because the National Seashore endeavors to preserve Padre Island in its natural state, visiting the island is very much like stepping back into the past. 
With few exceptions, visitors can now see Padre Island as it has existed throughout most of its history and how it is described in the few extant descriptions by early explorers. Four nations have owned Padre Island at different times. The first was Spain, which owned Padre Island uh, from its entry into the New World until the Mexican Revolution of 1820. Following the revolution, Mexican owned Padre Island from 1821 until 1836 when the newly formed Republic of Texas claimed the area between the Nueces River and Rio Grande. Padre Island was under ownership of the Republic of Texas until its territory was acquired by the United States following the War with Mexico of 1845 to 1848. Throughout these times, the island has been best known by several names with Padre Island being only the most recent. It has also been known as La Isla Blanca, uh, White Island, and Isla de los Malaguitas, Island of the Malaguitas, a nice. band of the Karankawa people. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so the Karankawa are back. Um the first permanent settlement on the island uh, was located on the island's southern tip, this area was established around 1804 by a Spanish priest, Padre Nicolas Bali, after whom the island is now named. Prior to then, the only people known to have inhibited or visited the island were the nomadic hunter-gatherers, Native Americans, Spanish troops or ships, and the survivors of three shipwrecks on the island's shore in 1554. From 1804 to 1970, after the National Seashore opened in 1962, the island was used almost solely for ranching. This, the most prominent and lasting exceptions to this have been the development of, tour, of the tourism industry, including the development of the town of South Padre Island and the National Seashore, beginning in the early 1920s, and the exploitation of the island's oil and natural gas reserves, which began in the 1950s. One of the most interesting periods of the island's history was from World War II to 1960 when a Navy bombing range existed on the northern section of this island. Yikes. Right. <laughs> so we will protect this land unless we can exploit it for tourism. Mm -hmm. Oil. Oil or natural gas. Or if we need to bomb it for a little bit just to test it out. Just a little bit. So that's good to know. That's yeah. that's kind of like Vieques, though, like where we yeah. went on our honeymoon. Um, that half of that island was still protected land because they would practice bombing on that and until two thousand and three. Yeah, which was mind blowing. And like, and there, the cancer is like highest per capita of like pretty much anywhere in the United States or its territories. So yeah. I, guess I wonder if there's a correlation between something like that and Padre Island. Right. We don't know anything about that. I just thought of it, so I don't have any research yeah. for that. I guess the only positive is that Padre Island was pretty remote for the most part. Yeah. And, I mean, it was. I think that it's like the longest stretch, from what I read, of undeveloped barrier island kind of landscape in the left in the world. So, That's super cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, now let's see what we thought about it. This <laughs> is our, yeah, <laughs> this is our first of many, hopefully, sites run by the National Park Service, and it was absolutely breathtaking. From the desolate drive into the park, where undeveloped land shows off landscapes of rolling dunes and abundant wildlife, 
to the campsites that back right up to the beach or even directly on the beach for up to 22 miles if you have a 4x4 vehicle. This park had it all. It didn't hurt that it was free to use as well thanks to El Presidente waiving all fees to national parks a day before we arrived. We spent two days in the park, taking walks along the beach and deserted road. We introduced Ono to the ocean for the first time, and we suffered our first injury on our trip. Oh, yeah. Let's hear about it. Although the punch was mostly to our ego. As I contemplated riding my custom-made and self-titled Cadillac Cruiser, which is a piece of plywood that is cut extra wide for a cruiser board that we built, Uh, We both have one. Mine is, it should be like riding a surfboard with wheels. Anybody should be able to do it. The wheels are so big. Yeah. (laughs) So after I was going back and forth and uh, I was trying to decide whether or not I would ride my Cadillac Cruiser, the five campsites down to the bathroom, uh, Molly supported me and uh, told me to go for it. Convincing a 30-year-old learning how to skateboard to do so in an area where they can be seen is no small task either. Yeah. She really had to be like, no, you got this. You got this. Come on, babe. Uh, so I grabbed my board and I headed to the bathroom. Along the way, a couple of five, six, seven-year-olds with ice cream in their hands <laughs> ran alongside me, not to support me or like be like, oh, look how cool this guy is, but instead to let me know that they could outrun me in the pair of Kmart thong sandals they were wearing. And as I shut, <laughs> um, it just I, gets I know. better. I, I made it through the first humiliation unfazed, but the ride back was a different story. As I shoved off <laughs> for my shred session back to the van, the same kids watched. The same kids watched me eagerly, ready to run out once more. But they were not given the opportunity because as I went to increase my speed with a, gi- with a gigantic kick, I noticed that somehow the leg I was trying to kick w- with was on the wrong side of my board, mm. which sent this 30-year-old wannabe crashing onto my right hand, then left elbow, and then finally came to rest on my left shoulder. At that point, I was able to look up and see the same girl who outran me Stopping my board with her flip-flop. She felt so cool. (laughs) Then a woman that was completely covered in tattoos had a very pronounced smoker's voice and a very built, uh, very rounded build, you might say. Nice. (laughs) In a tiny pink bikini hollered from her campsite, and she goes... Don't you hate it when that happens? Not the fall. That shit happens. But the fact that we all saw you fall, that's just embarrassing. (laughs) And then I went back to my campsite and put both the cruiser boards in our car top carrier. And they've been in there ever (laughs) since. Yeah, so that was the end of my skating career for the time being. We'll give it another go sometime. Maybe less kids around. When there's no one around. Yeah. That one, that one hit hard. I mean, I'm glad that you left out no embarrassing detail for that story. Mom. Yeah, you had, uh, you know, a little bruise on your, on your, uh, 
You have a little bruise on your elbow. It feels like the bone is just shattered. <laughs> rolling it feels like the skin of my of my elbow is more like a pouch for shattered dreams and bones. And there is a little scrape on your hand. Oh, road rash. That's what you mean. It's just covering my whole right side. Like a third degree burn, but just from shredding too hot. And that mean girl, <laughs> she tried to outrun you, which, you know... Her mistake. Right, yeah. You I mean, showed her. Yeah, if she wouldn't have been really, you know, egging me on. Right. I'd I think been, that, that's I, the right I would way have been just it, fine. Yeah. And um, I just don't understand where she got off acting like that. Where did those ice cream cones come from? The ice cream cones came from this creepy little short bus that drove through there selling ice oh, cream yeah. in, the middle, in the middle of a pandemic. That was super weird. I remember hearing um, the music for it coming down the street, and I was like, am I hearing things? Is that an ice cream truck? This feels highly inappropriate right now. My sister and brother-in-law, who both work for the Parks Department, would have been calling that guy in. because I Shutting him down. I doubt that he had a permit to be <laughs> yeah, there. And highly they, doubt it. They are sticklers for permits. He's like, I'm going to take advantage of these, uh, these beach kids. Yeah, this guy thinks he's going to capitalize on a world pandemic by just coming out here. No. SpongeBob popsicles. Uh, I really did want one. The rocket but, ones? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah I, did. Ones uh, I used to really like the push pop ones, like yeah. the Flintstones push pop. I was into anything like orange-sicle or dream-sicle. Uh, see, yeah, yeah, I'm not into the orange stuff. I'm into it. Um, All right, so let's get to... Oh, the score for this one's pretty good. <laughs> um, the host of the gr- campground was a really nice volunteer from Oklahoma. We talked to him a couple times, and the overall park uh, vibe of the park was amazing. Um, it was a so- short drive a short drive from the exit of the park. Uh, we got iced coffee at Island Joe's. Yeah, build out a shipping container. Yeah, it was like eight or nine shipping containers, yeah. like stacked, and it was it was pretty cool. Uh, they were all like kind of different colors and sizes. Had some almond milk, simple, yeah. simple syrup. You coffee know, coffee was. Eh. It was all right. Yeah. It was pretty good. Um, it was the best iced coffee we had this week. It was also the only iced coffee we <laughs> had this week. <laughs> so um, there you have it. But it was a little better than my first attempt at making um, espresso with our French press. So. Shout out to Island Joe's. They uh, almost let us use their Wi-Fi, too. They said we could sit in the parking lot and use it, but I don't know if it didn't quite reach out there or maybe... They turned it off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or the router just wasn't, like, since no one else was using it inside. But, I mean, they were using their square and stuff, but the the, we couldn't get the Wi-Fi, but it was cool. (laughs) Long story short. Yeah, they were nice. It was good coffee. Um, Let's see. The the amenities were passable at best. at Padre Island, but you know, you have to take that with a grain of salt because you are beachside and any beachside amenities I feel like just get thrown through the ringer. Yeah. Bunch of kids and everything. Uh but and there was sand. Yeah. Sand, sand alone. Yeah. And there was no hot water in the shower, but it was actually pretty refreshing yeah, and it that like, ended up being pretty refreshing. Yeah. And it teach you know, I think another lesson for life on the road is kind of like we are going Sometimes we're going to have to take cold showers. You just rinse it down, bite the bullet, and then you go lather up. Yeah. Get it get it all covered, get it ready to go, and yeah. then, yeah, you just move so it on. So just take three turns in total. Right. Get wet, lather up, rinse off. There it is. 
Um, and then let's see. Um, other than that, we loved our stay. Um, we would come back anytime they need a volunteer fill in campground host, like the nice guy that we met and his wife. That was also kind of nice, but did not like Ono. Yeah. <laughs> so we are going to give this campsite a 4.75 out of 5. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Overall, I mean, it was awesome. Like for right on the beach, there was like one dune in between us and the ocean. Did anything else happen uh, that of, uh, of note that you would like to tell everyone? Oh, my gosh. About the bathrooms? Yeah. Okay. So the last morning that we were there... Davis and I went to go brush our teeth in the bathrooms. And like he mentioned, these are just like your normal kind of, you know, a little gross uh, beach bathrooms. And we walk up and they had left the doors open overnight. And I kid you not, they were like swarmed with these giant, were they ants? Like flying ant, like. Some there were of these them weird were, ant hybrid yeah, wasps. Yeah, some of them were like, they had like the three section body of an ant, but large wings, and they were like black ants with black with like brown wings, like yeah. kind of like a reddish brown wing. Yeah, they were super weird. I had never but seen anything like that. There were just mounds like of them dead on the ground. Some still alive, but yeah. I mean, like they'd come in overnight and just all. It was so strange. Like the entire bathroom was covered in them, and so we're like. Me and Davis are, like, hopping around, you know, like any, like, normal human being trying to, like, avoid these bugs, trying to brush our teeth. And this uh, guy is kind of, like, walking out of the bathroom or whatnot. Um, and he was really nice. He was, like, talking to us about our trip and how he saw the camper and all this stuff. And then, like, uh, you know, he was kind of this, like, sweet kind of, you know, nerdy dad type. Is that a good way to describe him? yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, and uh, and so he had socks with his sandals. There you go. There you go. Say no more. Um, and then uh, Davis went inside, and I literally watched this guy start. He crouched down, and he was like scouring through these bugs, and I'm looking at him, and he's looking back up at me, and he sees like the disgust in my eyes of watching him pick up these bugs. To quote Molly last night, she said, he was watching me watch him pick up bugs. <laughs> <laughs> and when he realized he had like a grip full in his right hand of dead bugs already. And then when he looked up at me and made eye contact, he noticed like, I was like, what are you doing with my eyes? And he was like, Oh, I'm just going to, like, find, like, a couple intact ones for my son. And I was like, okay, dude. But to be fair, when he did come out of the bathroom for the first time, in his right hand, he had a firefly that he did show me. So he was collecting bugs for his son, but he had this firefly in his hand, and he was like, did you see the fireflies last night? And I was like, oh, no, man, we must have missed it. Um, and he was like, they weren't normal fireflies, man. <laughs> They were just like the come and pop up kind. They were the ones that like they stayed on for a while. Oh, cool! And I was like, Nightlight. Oh, 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 <laughs> sick, dude. So he found he so he scavenged around all these other bathroom bugs, found one of those, and then was gonna find a totally intact bathroom bug to take back to his son. And you know, but you, you know what's cool? You just hope the best. Fireflies. For that boy. Yeah, fireflies are cool. 
but bathroom books. <laughs> that's I, you got to draw lines somewhere. Yeah, you can't you can't be searching around. I mean, the, these the little floor, guys were in the toilets. Yeah, and the stuff. floor of the bathroom or toilet seats, trying to trying to find the right bug. That just you can't be doing that. I wish him the best though. Yeah, so do I. I, I really do. I, I hope my son's not wearing socks with his sandals as well. <laughs> oh, you know he is. <laughs> I mean, that's cool, though. Yeah, you never know. Um, hopefully, he got some ice cream from that ice cream man, though. But, I mean, the guy was super nice. I don't know. I don't want to feel bad about that when I listen to this back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is such a far cry. We should probably from, just end it there. Yeah. But, you know, you get it. He was picking bugs up for the bathroom floor. It was weird. Yeah. It was in the morning. It was like 7 a.m. It's just like, oh, not expect, not what you expect to see. But that was the first night that we figured out that if you don't fully close the back doors and you're facing the ocean or anything, probably anything with water or facing where the wind comes in, we got a nice breeze throughout the, uh, throughout oh, yeah. the van classic beach breeze yeah it was super nice um and so secluded out there like I mean we definitely did not have any cell phone service for two days which was really nice honestly um and we went for like a two-hour walk one day just up and down the beach and there was literally we might have passed two people the entire time yeah it was super so that was sick, sick. Oh, we said at the same time. Yeah. So at least we still agree that we're having some fun with each yeah, other, right? a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to do the uh, park where we're at today? Oh, yeah. We'll do the current park. We'll give you camp cuisine and taco talk. We'll leave you with a few words of wisdom, and then we'll get out of here. Sounds good. Cool. Yeah, and then uh, so we came up from... South Padre, uh, drove through San Antonio. Well, we weren't in South Padre. We yeah, we were in Padre, Padre Island. Island. Yeah. yeah, South Padre was like two yeah, hours further south. Right, and that's where the guy that we met today is from and where all the spring breaker shit was going on the day before or yeah. the week before. So, I'm yeah, glad we, we avoided that. Yeah, glad we avoided that too. But we came up through San Antonio. Um, that was a cool little a small town, but pretty cool. It's where we'll uh, talk about that's where we'll get into taco talk and get saucy to me. Oh, get saucy to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll get into that. Um, but why don't you tell us about where we're at? Yeah. So um, our first like big national park we're going to, obviously besides Padre Island being a national seashore, um, is Big Bend National Park. Um, but all the campgrounds, and this is pretty much the case for all the national parks at this point in time, um, are shut down inside the parks, uh, which is okay. I mean, you know, that's a bummer, but a lot of state parks that are very beautiful um, are, you know, able to host us. Uh, so I was looking around, and I found the perfect place. Tell them about it. <laughs> so um, this place is called Davis Mountain State Park. Beautiful. It's a He's beautiful name. He's never been name. so excited. Yeah. So humble. Give it to me. <laughs> so um, we came up to Davis Mountain State Park, um, and here's a little bit of information about it. Um, the original portion of the park was deeded to Texas Parks and Wildlife Department uh, by a local family. Um, 
Original improvements were accomplished by the Civilian Conservation Corps, uh, the CCC as it's known, in 1933. And the park was open to the public around 1938. Uh, campground facilities were added in 1967. Uh, interest in developing a state park in the Davis Mountains, mm. uh, <laughs> sounds so good, uh, began in earnest in 1923 when the Texas legislator uh, directed the newly created State Board's Park, State Parks Board, to investigate the area. Um, however, the Parks Board failed to secure any land donations and had no appropriations to buy the land. Um, so by 1933, the Great Depression had so devastated the local economy that landowners agreed to donate 560 acres for the park. The CCC companies 879 and 881 arrived in June of 1933 and began organizing their encampment, which they named Camp Washington Sewell after the first commander of nearby Fort Davis, which is the closest town, also mm -hmm. named Davis. Also. Their developments in the park included roads and overlook shelter, two mess halls, stone picnic tables, fireplaces, and steps a latrine, and what is called Indian Lodge. Yeah, an Indian Lodge is like this beautiful adobe building on the property that's just... It's seriously so pretty. Yeah. You should look it up. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's closed down right now, and I don't even think that we were supposed to be walking around it like we were earlier, but... We did hike up to it today yeah. just to take a look. But it had a pool. It has like 20-something rooms. Yeah, a restaurant. A restaurant. Yeah. It's it was really beautiful. It's and like I mean, tucked into mountains. Yeah. It's really pretty. And we touched like the adobe walls and they were like, so they were cool and refreshing. Yeah. I mean, it, it, was, it was really beautiful, really beautifully done in the park. Yeah. And not just for the namesake, but honestly, I'm really glad that we found this place because it has really been an amazing experience. As most things with Davis as their name are. Yeah. There exactly. You go. Uh, that's what I meant to say. Uh, the drive in is a 23-mile winding highway that takes you through the valleys of natural West Texas beauty. Mm. It's It took us about eight hours to get out here from the coast, I would say. Maybe a little less. Yeah, about that. Um, So the sky opens up at night and allows you to see stars spanning every inch of the sky. Last night we had some really good stargazing. We certainly did. I actually, I love stargazing. It's just something that I've always really enjoyed. So. Stargazy. Star, yeah, star, yeah, you can call me <laughs> stargazy. <laughs> um, it's actually, side note, noted one as uh, one of the top 10 stargazing spots in Texas, which is super cool. That may or may not be in there. Oh, then I'll get to it and say it again. Uh, the campsites are... I, don't I actually don't think I put it in there. So. Oh, Davis. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. Uh, the campsites are a little close together, and honestly, it's a little bit pricey here. Uh, it's $20 a night plus entry fees. The entry fees are what get you. Yeah. Yes, it's only $6, but it's per person, and it's per night that you're here. Yeah, per day that you're in the park. So, yeah. you know, you add an extra $24 onto the already $20, right. you, you know, a night. So, But honestly, the amenities and the views that honestly made up for, right. for that, for sure. Totally. And after beach camping for free the last two days we were like okay yeah we're cool with it so um yeah like we said we've stayed here for two nights um the adobe built architecture of each building in the park like 
you know, there's like a little interpretive center, which interpretive I haven't really, center, yeah. yeah, I haven't really quite figured out what that is, but I it's think it's closed, like, so. yeah, I think it's like bird watching because there's like so. little markers for it and whatnot. Um, and then, yeah, so all that's built in like the Adobe style, as well as what we mentioned earlier, the Indian Lodge Hotel on the property. And that only adds to the beauty of the landscape for sure. Um, there are an abundance of trails for dog walking and exploring, uh, which is super awesome, as well as a road up to the scenic lookout, mm. which we went to this morning. It was very beautiful. It was. Um, and the people are very inviting here. Conversational with a distance. Yeah, with a distance. <laughs> and the overall experience of our stay has been exceptional. So, Davis, you've done it again. Mm. Uh, we are stamping Davis Mountain State Park with the same rating we give the Davis in our van and on this podcast. Go ahead. That's a five out of five. Oh, damn. Are you flirting with me? <laughs> yeah. I sure am. That was so nice of you. I can't believe I couldn't have written it better myself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which you definitely did not. No, no. Yeah. I, would, I wouldn't dream of writing something like that about myself. Right. Same guy who literally for his 30th birthday wanted a group of people to tell jokes about him. It's called a rose. <laughs> and I think that we're still working on it, getting it picked up by Comedy Central. Right. But um, No, but really this park it has been phenomenal. I really loved it here. I'm going to be sad to leave tomorrow. Like, Me too, honestly. The views are, the views are amazing. Um, it's just a really well done. Everything seems very thought out here. Um, and ample trails that you can take dogs and kids on. There's been like a couple families around here that we've seen today. Everything's been super sick. Um, yeah, it's only an hour and a half from Big Bend, so yeah, an hour forty-five. Yeah, Big so, Bend, so not hard to get to if like you're trying to also stay somewhere that is a little like you know. I think we're gonna hit up Marfa on our way down there tomorrow. Right. So it kind of allows you to see a lot more of West Texas, which I had no idea I'd be such a fan of, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. West Texas is actually really beautiful. Um, and I would say that outside of it just being super gloomy and overcast for most of our drive through Texas um, and the drive itself for it just being 900 miles of I-10, we haven't seen like too much bad in Texas. I'll, yeah. I'll give it that. Like the shoreline was beautiful. The drive was rather monotonous, but any time that you're driving seven and a half hours, it gets that way. Um, but yeah, all the parks have been amazing. I really like the Texas State Parks logo. Yeah. Where it's very simple, like kind of block letter, but the A in state is a little picnic table. Yeah. <laughs> it's subtle. That's I like their logo. Cute. Yeah. And on the picnic tables, are wagon wheels. Oh, yeah, the ones on the side of the road were, like, yeah. gi giant oversized wagon wheels with, yeah. like, tables in between them. Those well, are cool. I got really excited. I mean, we both love the desert. Mm -hmm. um, so this is kind of our first taste, although we're going to spend a lot of time in the Southwest. Right. Um, but this is kind of our first taste, and I was really excited. The first cacti I saw. Cactus? Cacti? Yeah. Ca cacti? Yeah. And uh, Cac so... Well, if you're referring... If it's the first one, it's singular. It would be cactus. Right. But it was in like a little... It was in a patch of cacti. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that was super awesome. And the drive, yeah, it was a little monotonous, but I mean, seriously, you're like surrounded by desert mountains. It was really cool. Right. And, you know, like we talked about in our last podcast that we would talk about kind of how much it costs and everything. 
Texas has been a nice reprieve for that since we got a couple nights for free um, at Padre Island. And then... Gas is not that expensive. Well, gas gas is surprisingly has been the most expensive here in Texas, which I thought. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought that it would be the cheapest here. Yeah, because we got it for like a dollar sixty nine oh, in oil Louisiana. Country. Yeah, I thought, thought it was gonna be super cheap. Yeah, but I mean, we've had to pay over two bucks. But it could just be that the guy, the, a guy that we talked to today, so the price, you know, oil prices are kind of going up in the yeah. west. So it could just be part of that. Um, but yeah, we. I think the first couple of days, it kind of seemed like we were spending about $100 a day with, like, adding supplies that we didn't think about, you know, packing or what have you, gas and lodging. And then with the two days at Padre Island that we end up, you know, we only spend $20 total right. on getting ice and coffee. Yeah. Um. I would probably say that we're averaging somewhere between $75 and $100 a day Yeah. if it was, you know, with with park fees and gas, um, which isn't isn't terrible. Yeah. Um, I thought it would be more like $50 a day at most, but now that we started getting gas kind of like more so around half tank instead of waiting for it to get down, and that started to curb, you know, pricing a little bit. Yeah, and I think we both decided that, like, from now on, Unless we're stopping to eat some sort of Mexican food to go, not Taco Bell. We're talking yeah. real Mexican. Yeah. For, um, solely for the <laughs> podcast so we can write it off at right. the end of this since we only talk about the tacos. The right. taco talk. So we're spending a lot less money now. Right. Um, just cooking everything. Yeah. Ourselves. I mean, we only, we've only eaten out. I mean, it is camping, two. Yeah, so. <laughs> we only ate two meals that weren't Mexican food. We've only stopped three times for food, but yeah, it was just kind of something that the ease of it while we were on the road. I think we just kind of had to get off, you know, break that um, after the first little bit, and with you know just fast food restaurants being open, and you stop for gas, and you're just like, we could just do lunch real quick. But it's yeah, always gross, though. Yeah, it's never. Yeah, it never feels good afterwards. So. We're going to cut that out, and then, yeah, with the supplies that we already have and everything, we should be saving money, and we'll just eat a lot of uh, apples and peanut butter when we're driving, right? Yeah, Yeah, We'll do that. Um, Okay, so here it is, everyone's favorite portion of the show, I'm assuming, since this is just our first time doing it, but I'm sure (laughs) it will be a crowd favorite, Camp Cuisine and Taco Talk. Nice. So Camp Cuisine... um, I'm going to say the best meal that we made on the stovetop this week is the meal that we made twice. Um, it's the only meal that's taken really any kind of thought process to come up with because the other meals have been like oh lightly fried or boiled veggie dogs. And we made pancakes this morning that were actually really the good. The pancakes were super good. A uh, little silver dollar ones. Um, and then we did oatmeal and stuff. But our shining achievement this week has been spot white cheddar spirals from a box <laughs> with black olives oh, and tomato sauce all mixed in. Mm. So it's pretty much mac and cheese. But since it was the middle of a pandemic, the only thing that was left was not the elbows of mac and cheese. They were a little like pasta twist. So you do that, you boil it up, you add the little powdered cheese from the pouch. Are you telling people how to make boxed macaroni and cheese <laughs> yeah, right yeah. now? <laughs> and then so once you get once you get that in there, and we didn't we don't have um milk or butter. So what I do, pro tip here, 
Just leave a little extra water in there after you, you know, drain them. Your pasta water. Right. Yeah, your little pasta water. Then you go ahead, listen to this, put the black olives in. I'm using half cans pre-sliced. You feel me? So you pour that in there, you mix it all up, and then that adds, like, all the moisture you need to get that cheese, that little, like, cheese powder turned into cheese sauce. Then here you go, hit them with this, half a little bottle of the fancy, or what's supposed to be fancy, eggplant and tomatoes pasta sauce. Sounds fancy. Mix that together, eat it right out of the pan. It's delicious. Yeah, share it with someone you love. Yeah, use don't one. get your plates dirty. Yeah, use one spoon, feed it to each other. Yeah. And what we usually do, we don't use one spoon. We use one spoon and one spork. And then... Um, <laughs> like real adults. <laughs> yeah, like adults here. Um, and then we alternate <laughs> taking bites so we both feel full by the end of it. Oh, yeah. So that was uh, that's Camp Cuisine. Uh, we add that to the recipe book. We'll be putting that out sometime oh, next, wow. early next year of all our recipes. So God, far, it's so gonna be fans. it's gonna be Aunt Jemima box of pancakes, which you do exactly what they tell you to do <laughs> on the box. It's just gonna be posted box <laughs> instructions, yeah. and then box mac and cheese that we add black olives and pasta sauce too. Because if that's what you thought it sounded like, that's because that's exactly what I told you to do. On the second round, we did add a little paprika, oh, yeah. pepper. So much for my taste no, buds. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Try to contain yourself. That one veggie hot dog we have for dinner tonight, it's holding you over, I hope. Yeah, it was delicious. I'm a fan of the veggie hot dog. All right, hit us with uh, Taco Talk. Where did we eat our favorite tacos this week, Molly? So we ate it in San Antonio, Texas. That's right. A little place called Los Palitos Taco Shop. It was delicious. I think that it was added to being delicious primarily because they were the only tacos we ate this week, and... It was the only place that we could find that was open, that was serving tacos, and they used to be 24-7. Yeah. Now they're only we were craving six them to so 10. Badly. We, we called ahead at like 9 in the morning to make sure that they would be open when we got there. And we were not disappointed. They were damn good tacos, but they were made even better by the fact that they were the only tacos we were able to eat this week. And yes. that being such a large part of our lives, it was very difficult to wait that long. Yeah, it really was. I'm already, I need more. I'm I'm ready for some as soon as we pass by a place. Bring on El Paso. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. We're going to El Paso in two days. So stoked. Um, but in all fairness, we had two tacos and one burrito. Um, and the burrito, I got the breakfast, breakfast burrito because it was only like 11, 11.30 when we got there. The beans were seasoned perfectly. The cheese mixture seemed to be a little cheddar, which I wasn't. Uh-huh. I wasn't expecting surprising what seemed like two fried eggs chopped and then put in laid in there huh. for me and all wrapped in a just deliciously steamed flour tortilla. They did say the size um, of a small football. Oh, delicious. They did say on the website that it had a lot of like California uh, Mexican vibes to it. Oh, Take I to- what you will from that. I totally got that. Okay. The, the Baja wave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. The salsa verde was pretty spicy. Um, didn't stop me from drinking the extra though. Yeah, took a, <laughs> took it down like a like a medicine. It was so shot. good. Yeah. Um, and your tacos were. Yeah, my tacos were good. I got a um, 
like potato and egg and cheese breakfast taco. Yeah. And that was solid. I mm-hmm. covered that in salsa verde. I mean, what's not to love? Yeah. I got that on a flour tortilla. Delicious. Because it's a breakfast taco. And I did want to get like a traditional like carne asada taco as well. And I, of course, got that on like a, you know, a corn tortilla. Yeah, street style. Right. Double corn. And that was good because I think that you need to like, you know, we don't eat meat that often. Davis never eats it pretty much. I he try had, not like, a to. Bite of it. Um, yeah, and, I, don't, I don't leave a I don't leave a taco stranded by right. any means, but, but I don't I, do I don't think, order it for myself. Right, I do think that like you know at certain points you gotta like test out the meat and see. Right. You know. Um and uh, so yeah, I had that and that was delicious. It was good. Yeah. yeah. So had a little pico, a little. Well, add a little, add a little guac on there. That's that, guac. that's what sold me on I eating know. it. I was like, I don't really want this, but it was like eleven in the morning. It was yeah. a little early for that. Yeah, it was a little heavy for that, but it was. It was good. It was good. So Los Bolitos Taco Los Bolitos, Shop, yeah, Taco in uh, San Antonio, Texas. You have the honor of being the first winner of oh. Taco of the Week of on Taco Talk. Congratulations! I imagine that we should send them something that they can frame and then put up in their shop because yeah they'll be so confused yeah the they won't care but what an honor yeah but we'll be sure to post a picture of you holding a taco in front of the van oh yeah to let everyone see how unappetizing you can make a delicious taco look right it was I will call them unassuming. Yeah, unassuming. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's unappetizing because it smelled and looked like a taco, but... totally delicious. It wasn't... I would say the presentation was a little off. They didn't photograph well. Right. (laughs) But it's it's all to go, you know. We were were in and out. There There was like an older couple being completely disgusting in this time of everyone being ultra germaphobic. They had like their... Their sodas like opened up, like tops off, ch- trying to chug them down. So yeah. this lady that wasn't wearing gloves would refill them. Mm. And it seemed like a lot. And yeah, that was think, questionable. Yeah, I saw her finger hit the straw on the guys, and then like they were like passing their phones back and forth. Ugh. And I was just like, yeah, but not the same lady that uh, took care of us. So no, no, good. no, <laughs> different lady. So yeah. yeah, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, I mean, we've been eating well. We've, been, I mean, yeah, camp cuisine's been going good. Pretty simple for the most part, and Taco Talk was a roaring success in San Antonio, yeah. home of the University of Texas San Antonio Roadrunners. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, and the Shamrocks. Oh, yeah. The uh, <laughs> incarnate word Shamrocks, which also looked like their really mascot was a Cardinal. Yeah. Which also looked like their mascot was a Cardinal, and it said, Go Shamrocks. Uh, not sure about them. There. Um, the real bummer of this trip so far is the fact that like all the visitor centers and everything have been closed at all the places we've gone to. And it's really hard to just like there, you take for granted, like, Oh, we're going to stop and just get some syrup for this pancake mix. And you got to go to three Walmarts to find syrup. Right. Yeah. You know, that's the only thing that's been kind of a bummer on this where it's like, you don't want to, you don't, first of all, we don't want to go into like a lot of Walmarts all the time, but you know, that's the only thing that we, we don't even want to support Walmart, right? but it's, uh, it's there and it's got syrup. Yeah. And it's pretty much like you, those are the things that you see right off the interstate where you're like, okay, we have these three things we need to try to find again. You right. know, it's nine in the morning. You're like, maybe we beat the crowd. You yeah. never beat the crowd. Yeah. 
There's always a crowd. We're like usually heads down, running through, trying to get like the three things we need and in and out. <laughs> I really hate Walmart. Yeah, so it's I awful. get I get real antsy and I'm just ready to be in and out. Um yeah. and then yeah, just not being able to get like stickers or postcards for a family. Like we were gonna send postcards to all of our nieces and nephews along this trip and everything and just not being able to get those has been like, you know. I mean, it's like, it's petty, but it's, you know, it's a bummer. Yeah. You want to be able to share those things and right. s- stick stickers on shit, you know? Yeah. So we'll order all of them online once we get to Oregon and, uh, actually, and Morgan, <laughs> actually, Morgan and Ian, we're just getting them all shipped to your house oh, in uh, Thanks, Arizona. Guys. So we'll see you in a couple of days and then Sounds that'll good. be it. Uh, you got anything else for them all? I think that sums it up. All right, so thanks for tuning in to Van Camp Podcast. Uh, Stay safe, eat tacos. Eat a lot of tacos. And uh, if you do, make sure you cherish every bite because you never know when the last taco is. Oh, God. Bye. Bye. Restless cowboy walking across these universe I'm flying. We're living and dying each and every way I'm trying. Cowboy woman across these universe I fly.